Hello and welcome. This is the seventh episode of the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Arme Grigic, and today I have a Pepijn Schoen from Voya.ai. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I would like to start off with a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, how did you get into IT? And uh, maybe after that, you can tell me how did you get to Voya as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I got into IT because in high school, I was very bored by from uh, having to learn German words. Uh, and instead, I crept behind my computer. Um, and um, while doing that, I joined uh, back then a virtual pet website, which was pretty big was called Neopets, and I thought it was pretty awesome. And I replicated that some of that myself, or at least I joined a, a smaller web, smaller version of that website. Somehow I got access to the FTP credentials there and uh, eventually started reading, reading up some code, found it pretty interesting. And then instead of doing um, uh, math, which I originally wanted to study, I started getting more and more interested in IT. And so from 15 on, I started uh, writing software, then went to uni as well in the, in the Netherlands afterwards. Okay, and did you also have a, um, from a young age, did you also have kind of an interest for computers as well, like building them, or, or did you have that as well? Not too much. I mean, I thought I thought they were interesting. I thought machines were interesting. I was very fascinated by trains when I was younger. Uh, but computers, yeah, I mean, the the software runs on them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mostly the software part, right? Yeah, That's yeah, interesting yeah. for you. Yeah, cool. And how did you get to, to Voya? So what was that path uh, like? Yeah, so after... Um, after uni, I worked for um, an R&D company in, in Utrecht um, for some time. And the R&D part was really interesting, really uh, developing innov innovative stuff. But the marketing part, or, or actually selling the product, the business part of that was a bit lacking. Uh, and I joined Startup Bootcamp after that, which is an accelerator year in, uh, year in Amsterdam. Um, I did a program, two programs there. I did a program in London, and there I also met um, my former company, Trip Rebel. They were part of the of of that program. Mm -hmm. uh, their CTO had left, and they asked me to join them. And uh, while they were doing this program in Amsterdam, they were actually from Hamburg. So I'm after that program, after doing the mentorship for that program with them, I joined them and I also moved to uh, to Hamburg. Okay. Then, so this was already in the travel space, so in the B two C travel space, where uh, hotel booking platform uh we tracked we monitored prices and when prices dropped we made a we canceled the old booking made a new made a new booking uh in that place but uh that kind of small edge was too small to really make a play in the market that meant that not this january but the one before in 2017 we went insolvent um and sold part of the technology to voya okay uh, and okay. afterwards so i cycled around for a few months in the netherlands trying to figure out what to do then and i sent them another email saying well i wouldn't mind joining voya as well that's yeah. right and how did um how did voya start out because that's also an um yeah it's a, it's an interesting company uh to say the least but uh how did they start out Sure. So they were always so um, the founders Max and Florin. They were always always interested in conversational commerce uh, and also in the travel space. Uh, and it, they started pretty broad with uh, offering to answer any kinds of any any kind of requests. So that is both if you do a business trip to uh, to Frankfurt, but if also if you go to uh, with your family to Mallorca, they would uh, uh, organize the, organize those travel for that travel for you. Uh, and then eventually they they realized that only the business part of that was really interesting. It's mm. really where the volume lies and also where the operational feasibility lies because the amount of uh, 
nitpicking you have to do to figure out the right kind of hotel with the right kind of beach close by was a bit uh, too much effort for them. Yeah, and um, to summarize a little bit about what Voya does, uh, you have a chat app, right? That's or correct. actually, uh, it's a chat, but uh, mm-hmm. it's in a web app form and in a form on iPhone and Android. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, what what do you actually do? So what what does your service provide? So we uh, do something very traditional, which is uh, business travel, mm-hmm. where usually you would pick up the phone and uh, talk to your uh, call center agent, and they would um, suggest you flights for your for your trip to Frankfurt and hotels close by. And we do the same. So we organize your flights, your hotels, your rental car, your train trips. Um, but then through an app. So through uh, conversational commerce, uh, you do a request, so you write to us or you, uh, you, you fill a, a form of where you need to go and our uh, operational staff or our, our, or our AI picks up that and uh, suggests flights uh, to you. Okay, and uh, what types of other travel do you have? Is it only flights or? No, so it's flights, hotel, uh, rental cars and, uh, and train. In, the, in our main market in Germany also, all of those uh, travel types are pretty big. Yes, Germany yeah. is a pretty uh, big country. Yeah, so um, you mentioned it already. It's a German-based startup as well. Yeah. Um, uh, what kind of what type of clients do you see? What, what kind of t- clients do you do service? Is that uh, like bigger companies or does it vary as well? So I think uh, we have a the companies that we work with are largely at the moment SMEs, so larger SMEs uh, as it is. Um, and the the longer that we process on this trajectory, the the bigger the clients also get. So we used to start with uh, small startups as well, uh, five to ten people. Uh, as the more corporates or bigger companies had more demands, that is uh, better travel management, better guideline management, uh, duty of care, so that in case there's an earthquake somewhere that they would know where their travelers are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are also the features that we have been we have been building. So currently the, uh, the ideal customer for us is uh, uh, um, SME, around 100, 200 employees, 1 million euros a, uh, a year of travel volume, uh, and we serve those kinds. Did you really pick the conversational interface to be the main interface for uh, for booking? Because you could use just a normal process of going through an ordering process as well. Uh, wh- why? What was the reasoning behind using a conversational interface? That's right. So the conversational interface helped us to get started in the first place. Um, there's many exceptions, and uh, I think the exceptions make make the make uh, the business shine. So you, we don't want to say oh, you want to fly to Sydney? Well, then you have to book with a different provider. So we started with the conversational interface as a sort of a catch-all solution where you can serve any kind of any kind of customer. And mm-hmm. so it's also the thing that we're focusing, focusing on now is, being, is making the um, simpler request more accessible. So uh, offering an online booking tool-like experience mm-hmm. where you can search for flights, browse through flights yourself. The strength in the conversational part is that it also can uh, do these extra steps. So in case you need a visa for traveling to Russia, we can also take care of that. And in case you have a, a much more complicated request that really requires uh, explanation on how you, on how you, where you need to go, um, what time you need to be there, then the conversational part is uh, excels in that. Yeah, because you can, um, if someone has a question about that trip, they can just a- probably can ask it, right? That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And um, why why would people prefer to do it this way? Uh, and in regards to 
using a conversational interface instead of uh, a normal ordering process? Why, why would they do that? So there's a lot of service that comes with it. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of personal touch to it. The people feel taken care of instead of having this bland uh, type of uh, type of online booking tool. And then also as compared, so that is that is the one extreme, right? Online booking tool. And then compared to the other, also very personal extreme of um, of a call center agent, which also happens a lot in business travel. They are uh, under pressure to perform as. Uh, as quickly as possible so there's no time for real attention to the request for understanding the request um, and so you'll be picking up the call which is synchronous so you cannot uh, uh, sit back on the, on your couch and mm -hmm. request a trip mm -hmm. uh, from them added to that there's the pressure from them to serve as many requests as they can so they'll be trying to hang up on you as soon as possible again so yeah, and people are not scalable, right? I always say that's that. right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, people are scalable to an ex to an extent. Yeah, uh, but to a extent. Yeah. Uh, the challenge is how to uh, to give them superpower. So in the, in that sense, they scale, and that's also our let's say most most of our automation challenges uh, to make the workforce that we have more effective at doing what they do, and also giving them interesting stuff to work on, because uh, booking a flight from Amsterdam to Frankfurt is not really. Interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> top of the bill type yeah. of interesting, but do, organizing a complicated round trip uh, and also visas included, that's really what these people studied for. So that's what we love to offer them. Yeah, and uh, the initial contact that you have with the chat app, uh, how does that go? Does that go through a kind of process that you go through or uh, and you later on maybe get an agent that uh, talks to you? How does that work? So is it is it mostly uh, automated or is it also for a part uh, an, a real agent that's talking to you so there's there's usually a real agent talking to you okay uh, we just try to make them more efficient so there's definitely if you get started then also you're already your company has been onboarded so the right kind of guidelines are in place so you know the the travel manager determines the kind of budgets that you have for um, maybe in San Francisco you can spend 250 euros a night but London 150 a night these kinds of configurations are already in place and you'll they'll be inviting you uh, and that also uh, will we'll start with um, uh, a, a chatbot, so to say, onboarding you on the application, so getting you used to the conversational interface. Mm. Because, so many people are nowadays used to chat, so they know what to do, but they're not as used to this hybrid mix of you don't know when you're talking to a yeah, to an a AI or yeah. to a person, and how does that change your interaction, right? So uh, Max, the co one of the co-founders always uh, jokes that you never talk polite to Siri, right? You direct Siri in saying, <laughs> yeah. call my mum. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you talk like this to uh, to a person, it's pretty rude. Yeah. So there's, there's some... Um, uh, there is some onboarding that we're trying to do and there is some but there's also some em emphasis that we're trying to give to the users that are talking to a real person yeah because do you differentiate between when someone is talking to a bot and a person not at the moment so oh. it's something that we definitely are looking into uh, so should we label everything with bot but that might feel impersonal so mm. currently we have one uh the, one of the one of the people that started uh, that, that joined very early on her name is Sarah and currently you're always talking with Sarah which also means that sometimes we get a call and people ask like I'd like to talk with Sarah and we just don't know who to, who to <laughs> she, get the phone she to. doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't exist sorry to ruin your dreams yeah yeah yeah, yeah so uh that's interesting because I thought it was more, uh, actually more AI, but you, 
you're kind of using it in a way that you don't need to do the repetitive stuff, right? That's, that's so right. So like the onboarding and stuff like the, that. The, the onboarding part, the uh, approval part. So if you have to book outside of your guidelines, outside of the budget, uh, that part, that conversation is taken care of. Uh, and then also eventually the finding finding the right kind of uh, travel options for this person. So doing, if you if you write very clearly, I want to fly from Amsterdam to Frankfurt on these and these dates. Um, with natural language processing, you'll be able to, to parse that kind of request and the rest of them, the more complicated requests you hand over. Yeah, because in what, what languages do you support right now? Uh, German and English. Yeah. It's also matching the operational stuff that we have. Yeah, exactly. And um, looking at the AI, because you've mentioned it uh, a few times right now, um, there seems to be a lot of buzz around it, right? So mm. in the, lately, mm. it's kind of mm. uh, it's kind of taking flight like it's going to solve everything. Mm. Um, what if, if you look at that, what do you think? Where do we think we stand right now with on on that premise? Because in my opinion, it's still in its kind of infancy, mm. uh, and it still revol- revolves a lot, a lot around someone coding something. Sure, uh, and that kind of beats the 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 meaning of artificial intelligence, right? Well, does it? I mean, AI for a part is also when people aren't able to tell the difference, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. So that's uh, true. A no. clever algorithm or heuristic is also artificial intelligence if people perceive it as intelligence. Mm. So if the if the flight ranking, uh, so flight ranking, we also use AI for that, and the AI is pre- it's not so complicated, right? You yeah, show, it's the, show the cheapest easy. ones first, and yeah. the shortest ones first, and then you show the rest. Yeah. It's AI in itself. So I think the the applied AI part is interesting. There's a lot of buzz also around machine learning, but the amount of data that you need, etc., make it for many companies or at least many people at the moment um, uh, academic. Mm. Which is there's there's a there's a large gap between applied AI and academic AI, uh, but uh, for example here here in Rotterdam uh, and also here near the office of Tevreden, there's a there's an automatic vehicle already driving since 1996, right? That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, that is, there's this that bu- is there's this bus already already doing its thing, its AI thing at least the thing what people yeah. see what a lot of people feel as AI, which is uh, automatic vehicles or self driving cars, uh, already since 1996. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a kind of a prestige product, of co- of course. Of I course. Mean, uh, but and well, it breaks there, da- it there, breaks right? down a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've I've seen it also. Uh, yeah, it works. It does work. Yeah. It actually. Yeah. Does where it's really a weird feeling to s- step yeah. into a car with no driver. Yeah, uh, and, and so it, for that, a part AI is there, right? But for yeah. a large part also AI is still work in progress. Yeah. So you, what would you say is what what would be the state if you look at it from asset infancy? But uh, probably it's a little bit uh, more than that. Uh, what do you think? I think it's it's tricky because the there's so. You really want to have some other players, uh, other than, for example, Google, uh, picking Amazon. up some, yeah, <laughs> picking up some some speed with uh, with collecting data, with uh, applying AI, because, so if machine learning, if that is data based, then there's there will be a monopoly on AI because the person that holds most data will be able to make the best kinds of decisions, right? So leveling the playing field will need a lot of different people of different different parties to uh, play on that playing field uh and i think that really has to come in the coming years yeah yeah exactly and looking at the the flight data because you need some kind of uh data from okay th- these are the hotels and these are the sure. flights that you can book how do you work uh, with that do you have like partners that you work with or you do it directly through the the companies themselves 
so flight the, the that's that's also the tricky part of applied ai i think that a lot of people face with in that you will become a system integrator right you can't really innovate on the ai ai yeah. you can do you can use the stuff that is on off the shelf or that is low hanging but mm-hmm. you'll be also connecting to for example booking.com or you'll be connecting to also the uh, ap the the airline aggregators um you need to need to pick your battles so definitely we work with partners to uh, get flight content and get hotel content and couple those with uh, the AI stuff that we have. Yeah, because you're not going to make, maybe not going to make a better aggregator than the airline aggregator. Definitely there. not. Yeah, Definitely yeah. not. Yeah, so it's better to to work with them than actually start something new. Right? Absolutely. I yeah. think many people have tried and also failed. Failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get it from multiple sources, right? So you get it from Booking.com and maybe other. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we have a partnership like with Booking.com. We have a, a few partnerships with different different airline aggregators, and they provide us the data that we that we eventually book. Yeah, because you're not doing it directly with uh, airlines as well, right? Because that would be a little bit yeah. Tricky. So. The airline system is also an interesting, interesting system on itself because mm-hmm. it predates internet as well. Uh, uh, the airline information used to be uh, faxed over or sent over fax, or they, it would be uh, sent also over telephone via sort of internet-like protocol. But before internet and also before kind of security was there, um, uh, you're probably uh, heard of the name Amadeus being the backbone of all of that. Yeah. Um, and it's not only where the where the it's not it's not Amadeus in that sense not an API but it's also an administrative system for the airlines. So there's mm. no, the airlines also have no real alternative for their internal operations except for offering it through these kind of existing uh, global distribution systems GDSs. Yeah. Um, so there is actually very little opportunity to work directly with airlines. So you always have to work with uh, with aggregators because the amount of stuff that you would need to integrate yourself in order to do that is just humongous and that that's interesting because i thought that the airlines would the, when you look at the airlines and how smooth their process is mm-hmm. in most cases um it's interesting to me that uh, from your uh, from your story what you're telling me is actually that a lot of those airlines are also finding an upward bell uh, with their own systems oh right? yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i mean lufthansa recently um published direct connect which is also really a direct api for booking lufthansa flights uh, but you can't reserve seats over it that's that's only for only to be done through gds's and also these really? these airlines are also more complicated in that the, the, these gds are also more complicated and they also cover for example the uh, very uh, pragmatic stuff of weights and balances, which is where do people have to sit into the airplane so that the airplane can actually take off, yeah. right? Uh, and also um, Lufthansa flights or KLM flights are usually co-chaired between other airlines and how what kind of how can those airlines also book on that flight under its own co-chair? So uh, there's it's so, it's so deeply integrated that's just yeah, that's like crazy, it's just yeah. a, it's just a world worldwide spaghetti code that nobody can entangle, <laughs> disentangle. And, and we're we're working, or actually, you're working with that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm working on the consuming end in that yeah, sense, but I'm yeah. definitely try not trying to solve that that part. No, okay, it's more. Yeah, as you said, it's more to make it a little bit more. Uh, a lot more convenient for someone to to book their whole trip, yeah, right? Correct. It's, it makes well, it makes you appreciate waiting or loading times at airline websites a bit more if you know what stuff is behind yeah, there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. That's actually yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because uh, so that's actually the reason why those loading times are that 
well, in most cases, you can probably wait for half a minute for, before Correct. you get uh, Yeah, it's just response. layers and layers of caches. I mean, even Google Flights did it pretty well, but they have also cached, cached themselves internally, which means that when you, well, they've used AI to figure out when price changes are quite likely, and then they will uh, um, uh, positively opt uh, uh, refresh their cache mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end their their information is also cached based on a cache that lies at Amadeus based on a cache that lies at wherever yeah and that that's yeah that's that's something that I didn't think about before because um, I was always like okay are they really not able to get this any faster yeah. than, than it is right now it's just yeah. all data, outdated systems ah okay okay and um, getting back to a little bit about uh, about Voya, so how many people do work at Voya right now? So we currently work with around 50 people, uh, so 15 people of those in the product and tech teams, the rest of them in sales, uh, account management, uh, operational, mm. finance, BI, these kind of things. Yeah, and how, how, how many started out as a founding team? How, uh, how many were there? Two. Okay. So we start with two people. Very quickly, this Sarah came on board to also help with operations. Uh, uh, when I joined, so I joined uh, last year in May, we were around 20 or so, and since then we've grown to now 50. 50, okay. And um, what, were this, what are kind of struggles when, when scaling to, to this? Because 50 is, uh, it's, it's kind of a number in my head, it's always kind of a number that... Uh, where everything starts to go into processes and uh, more, maybe not bureaucratic, but... Uh, oh, yeah, middle management starts to yeah, exist, yeah, right? these kind yeah. of things. Yeah, uh, what, kind of struggle did you, what kind of struggles did you see there? Um, what was the, and what did you guys do about that? Well, it's definitely there's definitely some growth pains, and the the good thing is that there's growth pains because of there's because there is a success, right? Yeah, so there's course. no uh, disagreement on how we have to uh, rescue the sinking ship. It's just more fighting about different ideas of how to best move forwards, which is uh, which is in a sense exciting because any kind of good idea in the end you'll be able to trust that that will lead us to the best path forward. Mm. Um, Whereas at the starting company, you really do op- are very close to doing operations yourself um, and you see what customers want. Uh, when growing, you have less time for that. And um, traditionally also, the decision power is in your hands. So empowering other people, but also making the information as fra- transparent as possible to make sure that other people have enough information to make decisions, mm. that has been uh, a, a good challenge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned because you live in Brussels, right? That's right. Um, and uh, Voya is in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned um, in our uh, yeah in our conversation before the podcast that you guys have developers in Romania. Right? That's right. Um, how do how do how does everybody interact? Because it's a kind of a remote company, or actually, it is a remote company. Yeah, if you have right? one person remote, then your company is per definition yeah, remote. Because otherwise, remote, this yeah. person will miss miss out on information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've used we use Slack, which is not the best, but kind of the best of the worst. I mean, uh, it helps to spread information. Uh, we do a lot of calls, so we have a lot of uh, shared um, shared meetings where where people dial in, and. Luckily, you can also luckily all decision processes are asynchronous, so you mm. n- hardly ever have to really uh, be in the same room in the same at the same time to be able to participate to be able to get information. Yeah. Uh, but and 
what we also do is to, we have a lot of people, so at least definitely me, but also the developers and the product team in Bucharest and the operational staff in Hamburg, they all visit each other, so to say. And that also helps us at uh, eating our own dog food in sense yeah. of also doing business travel ourselves to see and also booking stuff through our own tool to see oh, how actually, yeah. how that yeah. works, uh, how where kind of barriers lie. Um, whether we are at the hotel and we are asked to pay again, even though the company had already has already paid, so uh, it also helps to uh, this kind of um, remoteness. Well, uh, the company being being remote and having to travel to um, to meet helps to also figure out problems in your own processes. Yeah, because how mo- uh, how frequent are you in Hamburg? Oh, I'm in Hamburg once uh, once or twice a month, and also in Bucharest once or twice a month. So, so I'm I'm picking up the schedule of being there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, at either of those locations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it, I mean, it has to be. Uh, you have to be in contact with those people, right? If you want to work together. Yeah, you want to observe how the operational staff uses the application. You want to sit to sit down with the pe- with with some of the developers to have a coffee and talk about how they're doing. You need to visit customers to see how they're perceiving the application so some of it i mean there's there's no good virtual replacement for um for, for meeting, face-to-face for, for face to face yeah i think i'm not sure who who suggested it but the uh, a problem with um a problem with meetings or with with uh, tele- teleconferences is also that the webcam is never in the middle of the screen so there's never eye contact also oh that's actually true yeah uh, also when when doing this remote and then there's also still the uh, it's weird to look into the camera because yeah, that that's looks right. creepy. It looks very <laughs> creepy. Uh, um, and there's also still the, con- the issues with internet connection while while doing voice calls. Uh, somehow not not completely solved yet. So yeah, meeting in person is also very important to get mm. at least uh, everybody's um, uh, everybody looking into the same direction and. Uh, moving forward and looking at your development team do you like use uh, some kind of uh, methodology like scrum or whatever to to create your product or what yeah we started doing scrum so i when i when i joined i converted we we did scrum on paper but uh, i think agile is really done only done when you understand first principles right so we did scrum but scrum meant that stuff that wasn't done in two weeks before just moved standard to the next two weeks without rethinking whether it was really important without trying to reduce the scope etc etc um we ran with scrum for a year so we had one team then and in September, we split to two different teams, um, and now one of these, and then we uh, converted in April or May to using squads, as described as um, made famous by Spotify. Um, and, but squ- squads are are pretty much just self-organizing units, and they've chosen mostly to work with Scrum. Still, one of them is now dropping also sprints. That is, they don't really believe in the Monday synchronization on what's most important. I mean, mm. they are that, in that sense, that independent or that interwoven with the other teams that they will travel to Hamburg and observe how people use the application and for, for that don't need necessarily two-week synchronization moments in order to figure out what to what to work on. Yeah, because you have multiple teams, yeah, then you need the synchronization. Or right. Uh, in you need you need the information sharing yeah. somehow, but yeah. uh, only in some well, Scrum is just one one solution to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, we're doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um doing a daily every day and sure. uh, doing sprint planning every two weeks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, you you notice that that works even though you're not there, but uh, as you said, the the personal contact is 
yeah, you cannot replace that with anything. Uh, that's also why we we do it every half year. I, I go uh, do mm-hmm. to our developers and uh, talk about what the next projects are going to be, uh, and that's and that's how hel- that's helped because. If I would have to do that through video conferencing, one, it would take more time, and two, it's harder to explain some things. Yeah, of course. Uh, because you can, when you're face to face, you can just write on a board and. Uh, we can do a uh, workshop together. They can ask more questions. It's just, it's just more open. Yeah, yeah. And we have the the fortunate uh, thing that they are in the f- same time zone. Yeah. Um, and you have that as well. Well, it's one hour difference. But yeah, it's. it's uh, that, not too that's, bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, when you're working with India or something like that, or maybe America or whatever, it can uh, be more clumsy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, so looking at those meetings because you sometimes have those meetings, um, uh, or actually more the the interaction in the chat rooms mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you will probably have chat rooms as well. Um, do you require people to work the same hours as you are at, at that moment? Because there is a little time reference, but uh, is that is that really a thing? That's tricky. So we do have opening, or we do have office hours now, also, mm. uh, also in Bucharest. Uh, but it's most it's mostly for them. It's not as much for me. Mm. So we th- we think it's valuable for people to be there uh, for some hours of the day during uh, when also other people are in office, uh, so that they can also do uh, knowledge sharing, knowledge building, and so on. But also our operational staff is available from 7 in the morning until 10 in the evening, mm. but in shifts. So the working times are quite different for different people in the teams. Yeah. So we don't require them to work at the same same amount of hours that we work or at the same kind of hours that we that we do. Yeah, it's not a 9 to 5 or whatever. I mean, It's not 9 to 5. And I think that's also not, uh, it might not be too helpful as... Some people are not morning pe- morning yeah. persons, right? And, yeah. uh, it's actually true. Yeah, yeah. So most of some of our developers do, prefer to come into the office at ten ten thirty, mm. but they also leave only at eight eight thirty or so. And I think that's that's perfectly fine as long as there's some room for interaction, right? So if you're really a night yeah, owl, then there's less of a cultural fit, at least with our current configuration. Yeah, yeah. That could that could make a little bit of problems, of course, but. Um, yeah, I I uh, I kind of mirror that always to what uh, they do at Basecamp. I don't know mm-hmm. if you yeah. uh, uh, if you follow that. Uh, they also tell like, okay, we don't really have hours that people are working because they cannot have hours. Uh, with them, it's even more of yeah. a, a time difference, of course. Yeah. So and uh, it's interesting to see how those kind of remote things work, right? I mean, it's totally different dynamic from uh, having everyone in the same spot and you're working on... Uh, Absolutely. I mean, my, my previous, previous company, TripRebel, we also had all our software developers in Hamburg and there's definitely a huge different, hugely different atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. And um, looking at uh, what you guys are doing, um, for me, it's interesting to see always what the next step is. So what, what do you think you'll be going in the future after, for example, the conversational interfaces? What, what do you think the next steps are? Well... I really like what Airbnb has done in when they started building houses in Florida mm-hmm. because they looked at the data and they realized that too many people are trying to go on holiday in Florida, mm. right? There's a, there's a shortage of uh, apartments to let. And I think that's a beautiful example of really a horizontal uh, startup that really tries to look at all the customers' problems uh, and try to solve all of those. 
Uh, and I'd love to take a similar slice uh, of the business travel sector. So there's more stuff uh, in travel management that includes also expense management when you've taken a taxi, when you've treated a client to a, uh, to a dinner at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of costs you also want to have expensed at the company. Uh, and we'll also be looking at building those kinds of, uh, those kinds of solutions. If you want to take that as a vision, then, well, we can also be flying around in a Voya helicopter to bring customers to yeah, uh, to remote locations, <laughs> locations. But I think we'll be a few years out of that. Yeah, of course. And I mean, what Airbnb is doing is, it's, uh, that's, that's something that I talked about in the, in the last podcast as well, uh, where, uh, where I had an architecture company that's actually building solar panels, right? right. I mean, it's, it's totally different than what they normally do. They have the idea. The idea yeah. is good. But yeah. uh, creating that is going to be a lot, diff- lot more difficult than, uh, yeah. than doing that. Yeah, but our customers want it apparently. So. Yeah, yeah. They, they want it and they, they see some kind of things that are, are interesting there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting that the, 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 the thing you say uh, as something that's in the future is actually... Mm-hmm other products not uh, not an improvement or what you're already of course you're going to improve your product that you yeah have but i now. think it's interesting to realize when the product is when the product's good enough right and when it's time to also look at other uh, at other uh, other solutions yeah and you can of course you can scale the product that you already have mm-hmm. um, almost indefinitely uh, right uh, and as ai will get better it will be even more of a scalability right yeah so uh, to wrap up, I would like to know, um, since you started at Voya, uh, what, what's, the, what's the most, what's the thing that you're most proud of since you started? Well, I'll mention two things. Just one thing, because I uh, like the technology part of it. Uh, I've, I've picked up a lot of Kubernetes over the past, over the past year and also then replacing our inf- entire infrastructure with Kubernetes and lots of microservices has been super interesting. So we still have a beautiful monolith in the center mm. that we'd love to get, get to replace at one point. Uh, but at least for um, this has helped us uh, serving as an example project for how we were to build the application in the future. If you have a new one or you start to right, build when we have a new one or when we have new kinds of new kinds of solutions, new kinds of products, then we always try to uh, think of it as in microservices first. And the other thing that really comes with is really a, a cultural part, which is the culture change that had to happen when growing from 20 to 50 people. There is this entire transparency and empowerment structure that I think people have also uh, taken a lot, have, people have had a lot of patience on, um, on us putting the right thing in place, uh, on putting the right kind of processes, putting the right kind of uh, meetings, putting the right kind of data for them to see how the company is doing what to make decisions based on to put put that in place so uh well both of these achievements are very internal but i think that's also where uh, i i would i like to work mo- work most which is making the people happy around me so that they can make the the end users happy exactly exactly and um something spring to mind so um there's a one question also that I would like to ask you as well, because uh, in our world, or actually the world that we work in, uh, it's a lot about budgets and how many uh, mm-hmm. money, how many, uh, how much money you can spend on uh, kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, if you didn't have budget restrictions, what would be the thing that you would do, or actually, would what would you change or add to what you are doing right now? It's a good question. Well, 
I think the in, most interesting thing to have, uh, well, that we spent we spent money on uh, IT equipment and we spent money on uh, HR, right, on human mm-hmm. resources, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and I would try to add as many uh, people to the to the company as possible, but that also doesn't mean an infinite amount of people, right? Mm. Because the amount of growth that you can have on your internal team or the stress that you can have on your internal team, uh, adding people, uh, adding people to the company, I think. Uber has become very stressed at some years ago when they tried to hire uh, anyone without any kind of interview. Yeah, uh, I would not like to be in that position. So I would love to, yeah, make make the team grow fifty percent uh, in six months, and then another fifty percent, and so on. And uh, that's with with infinite budget. I would probably focus on 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 skill. On, yeah, yeah, on 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 training people and on finding brilliant people. Yeah, because the the way you find people now because it is in Romania and it, you started the uh, Romanian company as mm-hmm. well to get those people in because there's a shortage of developers let's be honest yep. maybe not in uh, those countries it's a little bit less than for example the Netherlands mm-hmm. um, how do you go about that because that that's something that also came to mind when you were just talking about that yeah we have a recruiter working there okay. with us because the, there is some cultural differences that we have to bridge and there's some on hand on, being on hand hands on there as well that I don't as much have um so we have someone that works with us there uh the good thing is that people are pretty excited there also by startups and that people are interested also in specifically that part of getting more um more transparency more participation into the companies right not just bu- not just building software for companies as mm-hmm. ING and Deutsche Bank are also pretty big there they just delegate uh, quality assurance there And there's a lot of brilliant people there. There's a good university system and then uh, offering uh, an exciting opportunity at a young startup where, where you also can fly to Hamburg, can participate in uh, in deciding where the company goes. It's quite attractive. Yeah, and you're actually part of the company, right? It's you're part not, of the company. You're yeah. not part of part of a realization or an or an implementation team. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you'll be you'll be studying the agents, uh, operational staff. You'll be uh, talking to customers to see what they want, and you'll be deciding that um, well, expense management is interesting, but let's focus on X now, right? We make those decisions together, also with our product team. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, I would like to thank you for your time. Not a problem. And uh, for the listeners, of course, you can find uh, Bits versus Bytes on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. The name is Bits vs Bytes, and also uh, this podcast will be on bitsvsbytes.com. Thank you. Thank you.